What the? Mike, did you pick this? What? Hey, welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Terrian. And I'm Scott Lieb. We're two friends who are following Jesus into the joys and challenges of everyday life. All righty, it's your turn, man. We're just jumping right into this. We are. Okay. Um, my topic for today, we'll see where this goes, <laughs> because it's quite controversial and... Um, you know, a lot of there's a lot of sensitivities, and um, yeah, I think people digging in, you know, on both sides of this thing, but it's a real struggle. Uh, I'm just setting this up, so be patient with me. Okay, it's a real struggle uh, as a as a dad, um, especially you know, with teenagers living amongst the, the muck of our world, and. Um, this this particular topic creates a lot of like what what are we like what are we supposed to believe because the world is telling us very very strongly telling my children one thing and you know I'm at home with my wife uh, trying to give them a more um, you know Christian approach to this thing so just going to throw it out there in neon letters you know like the big if people could see it it would be like a you know a big the banners falling and the the lights anyway okay <laughs> so dramatic <laughs> so, such a dramatic setup all right so it, it's and it is it's transgenderism and um i you know it's uh it's really it's hard because it one it seems like it's becoming very popular trendy uh, you know, left and right, people are coming out, athletes coming out, athlete, you know, like w female athletes in particular, uh, on one side of it being like this, uh, this is so unfair to us to have men competing ag against us. They're crushing us for the most part. And then on the other side, people being like, well, I mean, you have to have compassion. That's, that's who we are. Like that's, that's just the way I'm I'm created and and I I was assigned the wrong gender at birth or blah blah blah. So I'm getting you know like I get a lot of emails and questions and you know things from my especially my college age daughters who are um, at Catholic colleges but still in in a lot of ways like bombarded with with this all the time. And um, and my one my oldest daughter is a she's an art therapy major at the one college and um, you know which which I th deals with mental health kind of stuff and helping people uh, to to deal with mental health issues. So uh, a lot of the people in that program in particular, you know, tend to be on the side of like super pro um, whatever it is, like whatever. Whatever it is, homosexuality, transgenderism, blah 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 blah, and so it's it's like it is hard. In fact, it sucks being a dad, uh, trying to you know. And I don't want to be one of those dads that's like, you know, throw all those people on an island, you know, and see what happens after fifty years or whatever. Like I, you know. Obviously, I want to. I want to be like Jesus. I want to respond like Jesus. Um, but that space where, where you want to love people and you want people to to, you know, to 
to feel comfortable enough around you that they, they can engage with you. But at the same time, uh, being like convey in, in my gut, you know, there's this feeling of like, well, I, I'm, I just don't agree with what you're doing. Like, I, I, I don't think it's right. And, and there's so much identity that they place in that, in, in that, uh, you know, who, whether they're with their gender identity, that it's almost like if you, if you even touch that area of like disagreement, you just can't, you can't engage them because they, they walk away or they dismiss you. Um, so anyway, I, you know, that's a, it's a big setup and it's something that's really difficult. I don't, I, so give me all the answers, please. <laughs> hmm, I wish I had them all. No, it's I, I'm facing the same exact thing. I get these little I get I usually get these little reels from, you know, Instagram or, or Snapchat or something from my from my kids. You know, what do you think of this? Mm. Usually my reaction is, well, you know, the problem is, is that it's not so much, it's not just about what is said, it's often about what's not said. And it's like, well, if I was, if, if I was talking to this person, here are the questions I would ask, or here are the assumptions I would challenge. Or if I was this person, this Catholic responding, here are things that just never seem to come up in the conversation, um, you know, in response. And so it, you know, it, it is, it's like a minefield and it's hard to navigate because you don't know, you don't know where you're supposed to step, and uh, and and so, you know, I guess one thing I would throw out there just as a as an initial thought, but I do want to I want to ask you a question mm-hmm. uh, to to follow that up. But it's just like we're we're being forced into a false dichotomy where we either kind of have to rail against something in a kind of culture warrior way. And we have to take this absolute hard stand and we have to push back and, and argue against certain ideas and certain positions. Or we just have to totally accommodate ourselves to the ideologies, whatever they happen to be, but in this case, transgenderism um, and the whole you know, pansexual movement, you know, we, we have to just accommodate ourselves to them. And as though there's no legitimate position somewhere between those two extremes. And the problem is, is that, well, of course, the devil would push us into those extremes because when we, when we inhabit those far places to the far right or to the far left, we just end up being in a position where we can't be in relationship with a person. And we can't actually deal with the complexity of the reality of people's lived experience and lived life. Mm. And, of course, that's exactly what the devil wants. Because you can't, it's hard to love a person in the abstractions of an ideology, whether you're left or right. It's really hard to love a person. And, and love, of course, is always going to be animated and informed by the truth. But the way the truth gets conveyed when it's conveyed through love is different than when it's conveyed or when an idea is conveyed through an ideological conviction, mm-hmm. where you're more of a crusader or you're more of a grand inquisitor or whatever you're, you're kind of forced into. Um, so I think that as a general comment, you know, that's kind of like, that's what we have to, we have to dismantle that false dichotomy. We should never feel forced to play by other people's 
rules when those rules don't allow us to have an honest conversation and honest dialogue about the reality that people are living and facing every day. But here's my question to you. Because I look at you and I see you as a person who's actually really good at being able to navigate that middle space because you have quite a few friends or you have friends that that are completely, not only ideologically different than you, but also embrace those lifestyles and continue to want to be your friend. And yet they know where you stand on things. And so while maybe answering your children's questions is kind of hard, I would say that you actually model for your children what the answer is. So mm. I want to put it back to you and say, well, how do you do that, Scott? Like, what is your disposition interiorly that allows you to have, for example, very secularized homosexual friends who even get upset at you when you share your faith conviction, but when they come into town, they still want to get together with you when you go to, you know, Denver or wherever, you still, you know, you still hang out with those people. Yeah. Um, I would say that um, a couple of things. Um, I think the I think if the friendship with these people and the relationship with these people existed and grew before the revelation of their, you know, whatever it is, if they're gay, like before they came out. Um, so I think that they, you know, we both knew each other and understood each other, what we were about, our values, our, you know, things like that, um, before that happened. Um, and so to some degree, there was a comfortability of like, whenever, whenever it was, uh, whenever they came out and announced that they were homosexual, it was like, I mean, okay. I, it's not like for me, it's like, okay, that doesn't dismiss all the years of building a friendship with you. Um, doesn't change who I who I know you to be deep at your core, um, <clears throat> but I would also say the navigation of that specific topic is like so so um, difficult. You know, it's like we there's a, like we can talk about almost anything, right? But that that that's something that I've noticed is is rarely talked about specifically because because they don't want me to kind of re to say like that I have sort of moral um you know hesitations or moral uh objections, objections to to what's going on because uh whenever when in the in the rest of their life they're surrounded by people who just, you know, sort of um, affirm that. affirm that, yeah, yeah affirm yeah. that. And yeah, I, I get it. They want to. I, I. It's not that I'm criticizing that necessarily, but it's not. It. It. It's basically telling them, that, you know, because you because you identify this way. Anybody who would have a disagreement with that is disagreeing with who you are, and I. My constant message anytime that space gets. Uh, you know, touched is like, it's not about, it's not about not loving who you are. You know, it's about that you, you know, like, because I know who you are. I know who you deep down, you're, you know, this is the person that you are, but it's like their deepest identity 
a lot of times ends up getting re- residing in the fact of who they're attracted to. You know, like that. There's no other deeper identity for them, and that makes it difficult. It makes it extremely difficult to talk honestly about that because it's so sensitive. Right. Well, I I totally appreciate that, but let me just counter a little bit of what you're saying about yourself. But they still choose to be your friend. They know how you. They know how you feel about it. They know what you think about this. They know your belief system. But, but they feel loved by you nevertheless, and they might be uncomfortable. I mean, there can be a strange experience when, and I've had this experience in my own life, where I'm actually strangely drawn to people who, like in my past when I've struggled with different things, I've been drawn to people who I know would have a, have a strong stand against mm-hmm. what I'm trying to justify in myself. Because... The truth is, is I actually trust them deep down. I trust them more than I trust other people that are just agreeing with me and going along with me. And I can think of several examples in my life when I was in my 20s and, you know, some friends I had. But part of that is because that friendship did pre-exist the issues that emerged. But I think that that's what's important is that it, it there's a there's a context of friendship within which you have given people permission to, be, to, to struggle and be, like, I don't know how to say this, to... Go ahead and embrace that. Sure. I'm still going to love you, but I disagree with you. Right. You haven't said, I can't be your friend or I can't associate with you because you've embraced this stance. You say, nope, our friendship is not what's in question here. Right. Because I still love you at a deeper level. And that's a profound witness, actually, to where their true identity is. And my suspicion is, is that's what they love about you. And that's what challenges them, maybe subconsciously even, that you're always a a, a witness to the fact that there's something deeper in themselves, but perhaps they don't know how to get to that deeper place um, because they want to identify themselves with this other thing, most likely because there's an internal struggle going on. They they want to pretend like there isn't, yeah, but we right. know there is. Right. And 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 so, um, but you you've opened up a place for them that gives them a certain level of freedom to be themselves in the midst of their struggle. And uh, and you don't just walk away. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I, I'm thinking as you're talking, I was thinking back in my my college days at Gonzaga, and I, I was pretty progressive in those years. And and one of my one of my very closest friends was a fellow theology major. He was an older guy. He was in his fifties, and he was uh, back coming back to school for a bachelor's degree. He was a Vietnam vet. But both he and his brother were openly heterosexual men. And even in my liberal progressive days, I never believed that homosexuality was okay. So you said heterosexual. Did you mean that they were oh, I'm openly sorry. homosexual? No. Yeah. Did I? I said that <laughs> Just want to make sure. They I were both openly homosexual. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, we had all sorts of interesting conversations around it but i always like i just always disagreed like and challenged and and part of the part of where i went in our conversations with him i was like what your father was not present in your life so you had no positive male role model and they're, they're they they came from uh maybe this is stereotypical but italian and had just a very very smothering overbearing mother and then they went through the they both went through the Vietnam 
experience. They, they, you know, they, it was the late sixties when, you know, they came out and they were in their college years and, you know, I mean, it was just it was classic, mm. you know, but, um, but here's the thing, like, uh, I mean, we were genuinely very good friends and he knew I was very strongly heterosexual and I knew he was, you know, very vehemently homosexual and, but we were friends and I respected him and he respected me and I listened very deeply to what he had to say in his arguments and his beliefs. We disagreed about a lot of things actually, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, but but we were able to be friends because, because I just think we, we fundamentally respected and, and liked each other as, as people. And, and so anyhow, I'm just reflecting on that because I think that what it tells me is it's totally possible to be in the context of a friendship with people who have a very different view of things. Um, but it seems like today we're not allowed to do that. Right. We're forced into yeah. these these kind of artificial corners of extremism. And we've talked about this on the podcast multiple times, partly because it just comes up all the time. It's just, it's always in our face. And I think it's hard as parents coming back to the issue of our own children, trying to help our children navigate this space is, is difficult because we have to teach our children to uh, be very uh, discerning, and make proper distinctions, yeah, and not get caught up in the oversimplistic ideological ways yeah. in which these issues are being framed for us. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that makes me think because um, you said this earlier. It's like the the whole the whole immersion in social media. It, it creates this very like one way dialogue you know like it, it's not a it's not a true conversational kind of thing so people just say from their perspective what they want to say and yeah i mean people can respond in in uh you know through rep replying to certain things but really it's just it's like a, it's not a real conversation it's you know and um the other thing i wanted to say is that uh with all of what you just said is <clears throat> You know, I do have the experience, unfortunately, of, uh, you know, a friend in particular who, um, when is so challenged by by my uh, non acceptance of everything, you know, my non celebration of everything that they define themselves by, that they did walk away. Like they walked away from a from a years long friendship. Um, which which was like, very you mean multiple years, yeah, yeah, yeah. multiple years. Well, is it is it was that you just had years long friendship? But could it it could sound like just a friendship you've had for a year? But anyway, go on. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but but the reality was like again, and it, this is really this gets to the the difficult part of being in that middle space. You know, like you have the extremes, like you talked about, and I do feel like I'm. Um, you know, we're called to be with Jesus in the elevated center, as we use that phrase a lot here. But what does that look like? So, you know, like, um, I can I can be friends with people and I can love people and um, hang out, you know, go get drinks with uh, with my friends who might be gay. I don't 
Haven't like the whole transgender thing is like a mystery still. Like I don't have transgender friends. Um, so I don't, uh, that, that whole thing is like, holy crap. Like I can't, that's, it's a whole other level, but you know, it's like, do I, um, you know, it becomes really hard when you're like, I want, you know, like I want to welcome them. Let's say like they're in town and I want to be like, come on, you know, like come on over and have dinner, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, but well, I want to bring my boyfriend or, and then it's like, uh, you know, it's, I don't want to put conditions on my love, but I also want, I, you know, like I, I don't want to confuse, I don't want to create a condition of confusion for my kids of like, you know, where, where we, what we believe about, you know, the nature of a lived relationship like, like that. And so, but that is so, it's so hurtful and I understand it. It's hurtful for somebody to be turned down like that. You know, so how do you, I, like, that's the struggle of, like, I I could have you over to my house all the time, and you bring Lynn, great, you know, like, that could happen every day, um, if you if you wanted to, but you don't want to, uh, apparently, because <laughs> you never come over, but, but it's because you don't invite me to come <laughs> over every day. Oh my gosh, it's an open invitation. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, but the point is, like, I, I it's... I want to have that relationship with that person individually, you know, like heart to heart with that person. It's hard for me to to do. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Well, the space I, becomes I, very yeah, difficult no, it, to navigate. Yeah. No, I understand exactly what you're saying, and and of course you you're just you're just dismantling the whole thing I'm trying to say about you. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna recover from this because. Because no, I think that's sort of something you're not. You, maybe you're not seeing. First of all, you you that person is putting the conditions on the terms of your relationship, which means that he's he's mandating basically that you have to accept his beliefs, but he won't grant you the same the same uh, you know grace, if you will. He's not accepting your point of view. It's only one-sided. And it's your home, and your primary responsibility is to your children. And uh, and so there's no willingness to somehow meet in the middle there. That's not on you. You've extended friendship to this person. And I think that he's laid down terms and conditions upon which he has to be accepted by you, which is that's false. Like, that's a false, um, that's not honest, because it only works one way. And that's what you're trying to say, is that, is that it's, it, it, you know, that space in the middle, we're not allowed to occupy it because it's all or nothing. Yeah. You know, and, and it can't, and that's, that's where it, it, you know, obviously if that's the way it's going to be, then this is what's going to happen, where we become more and more polarized, and those kinds of friendships and conversations are not allowed to happen. Um but you know, but, uh, but nevertheless, I don't. I don't think that that's because you've closed down that middle space for that individual, and and that's that's where I would stand by what I say about you. See, a lot of a lot of us on 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 whichever side of that issue we may be, we don't have that capacity because our openness is just pure accommodationalism. Well, what's wrong when these people aren't hurting you know anybody? Mm, like mm. what's wrong with that? Like that's a total accommodation to 
to the, you know, to the sinfulness of that. Or on the other hand, sorry, I can't have any relationship with you because because you 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 know you you have this evil stance on this this issue. Um, hmm. Well, that's you know when you talk about the elevated center of Jesus, it's like, and, and this is the challenge that we face in the world today, is that we can't ascribe to either side of that false dichotomy and be faithful disciples of Jesus. In my opinion, we can't. Hmm. Uh, we can certainly take a stance on the truth. But at the same time, we always have to open up a space for the possibility of that encounter and that mercy. And if a person chooses not to accept it, that's on them, not us. You know, you mm. know, you're, you're not, I mean, that's, it's the same with Jesus. I mean, Jesus showed up and he opened up a place where God was willing to embrace the sinner. And if the sinner said, no, I, I won't have it, well, there's nothing God can do for that soul. Mm. But but many people did respond, um, and they were able, in relationship with him, to work out their own mess and find the healing that deep down inside, if truth be told, they really wanted and were really looking for um, because they felt loved by him. But not everybody. Some people said... Yeah, I'm walking away from that. I'm not. I don't. I I like my lifestyle, and that's what I want to live. But that's not on Jesus, right? You know. So that's where I feel like we have to be very careful because, again, the devil is using these false dichotomies, pushing us to the extremes, precisely so that we feel that we have to go one way or another on this. And and thereby we close off the possibility of that middle and elevated place. Yeah. yeah. And we gotta say no to it. Yeah. Because that's otherwise we're just I mean, you know, I the other day I, I, I will keep this nameless, but we were having a conversation about, you know, immigration. It's a similar kind of issue. Like you you either, you know, immigrants are these evil invaders of our culture and we have to keep them out at at all cost. Or, no, like, we should just open up the borders and let everybody in and just be welcoming. It's like, <laughs> actually, both of those solutions are wrong. And you know who suffers the most from either one are the immigrants. Who's loving the immigrants? That's what I want to know. It's like, no, th- these are real people that are coming out of horrible situations that are, just like we would, looking for a better opportunity at life. But our political landscape is forcing us into a position where you either have to just say, all are welcome under no conditions, so you don't have to come here legally, you don't have to follow our laws, and yet you, ha- you are entitled to every right of a, you know, of a mm-hmm. citizen of this yeah. country. Right. Um, or into the other extreme, which is, you know, let's just build you know, um, a wall across the southern border and never let anybody in, because we might, because terrorists are... You know, drug at, drug dealers or people like this might get, might get into our country. Mm. Well, both of those extreme views are there's an elevated center, you know, where you know we should have a, a a rational and sound immigration policy that allows people into this country legally mm. and to be properly assimilated into our country. But that's not where the rhetoric goes. Yeah, and so then you find yourself in this weird position where it's like. 
how do I talk to people about this? Anyway, I'm just using that as yeah. just another example of yeah. of how we're forced into these kind of false extremes. Mm. And as Christian people, we have to. I mean, I'm talking to my kids about these that issue too. I think that um, you know everything that you just said made me made me think of this. That first of all, the question is, my goodness, why? Like, why are people? Why do people tend to gravitate to such extremes? Whether it's the the left, of, you know, left of the spectrum or right of the spectrum, the you know, close all the borders side, or they open everything up, you know, with with no conditions side, and it's like, um, I think uh, we we were talking a little bit about this earlier, and I'm not sure where this is going to go, but for me, um. You know, I, I very conservative. Grew up in a very conservative German Catholic family, and it you know it was fine. Like, but, but we treated people well. We weren't like you know we weren't outwardly we weren't going around like beating people up or <laughs> murdering people. That's you know, good. it's a little extreme, but yeah, right. um, no, we like yeah we treated people well and treated them nicely. But there was also this you know thread that kind of uh, was was always pretty hardcore, like, yeah, like, immigrants, immigrants bad, you know, like, that's bad for the economy, that's bad for our country, that's blah, 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 we gotta, so I would say, um, I, for a long time, I was like that, and I was, like, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, very rigid, you know, like, with, uh, with my thing, and I would be very vocal about that with people, and, what I discovered was that that elevated center that we talk about only came whenever I was faced with the realization of my own, to put it bluntly, shit that I had not, you know, like that was lingering in inside of me, in my heart, like, uh, like a brokenness that, um, that just ended up being projected out in these extremes. And it wasn't until I really, um, went into that and went through a process of, you know, dealing with it and resolving it. And that when I came out on the other side of that, there were things in me that didn't really exist much before. And those were things like patience and compassion and forgiveness and, you know, like, uh, awareness, um, things like that, that, that I was like, Oh, that's probably that's those are probably the things that Jesus did, you know, like, you know, and it it was just I feel like that's the problem. You know, maybe I'm overstate oversimplifying it, but I feel like people need to heal internally first. Like there's so much external like gar like garbage and vehemence and extremism. And it's like. I would almost bet that those people that are on those ends of the spectrum, if if I were to be able to sit down with them, probably within 15 minutes, I could be like, I I know what's inside. <laughs> like, I know what's going on inside that you've probably never, never dealt with. Like, and uh, not, you know, I don't, I don't say that in a way that's all like mushy or like, oh, we just need to heal everybody. Need, you know, like, I don't want it to come across like that. But it is a reality. There's a certain amount of spiritual internal healing that has to happen in people. And I'm only saying this from my own story because it's what I realized. But I feel like it's probably most people's story. 
if that if that internal dealing of things that you just want to keep pushing down and, and hiding and burying doesn't happen, we're just going to keep doing this same old thing. Like, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, tying what you're saying into the question you asked, like, how did we get to this place? Like, how, why, why are things pitched or framed in such extreme extremities, you know? And really, the I think the 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 fundamental and simplest answer to that is that we are increasingly a deeply wounded people. And, uh, you know, a lot of the strongholds of, of family and solid values, like they're just not, they're not there. And I think people are suffering a lot and hurting a lot. And it's easy to become ideological. And to your point, it's easy to become kind of the crusader, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of of the cause, whatever it is for you, you know, because it's a it's a way of at least convincing yourself that you're really dealing with, um, you're dealing with the problem of evil as you perceive it, but but the problem is is that that it, we we need to contend with the evil and woundedness and brokenness within ourselves before we'll know better how to deal with what we encounter out in the world. Mm. And what, what, you know, Jesus says this very clearly, you know, like, figure out how to take the log out of your own eye before, you know, and once you do, you'll know better how to take the splinter out of your neighbor's eye. He said that? He said that. Oh. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I know he said that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, he said it because, because we can become fixated on everybody else's problems as a way of actually avoiding our own. And so I think part of the, the life of a faithful disciple of Jesus is to, is to, is to go in and, and allow the Lord to heal the wounds that we have, because what that does is that changes our hearts, and then that gives us a different kind of capacity for dealing with other people's problems. Not that we would ever sideskirt the truth, but right. we, know how to, um, we know how to present and embody the truth in a way that, that demonstrates mercy and love as well. Yeah. And, and that's because we, you know, the more we deal with our own stuff, we actually have to learn to be more compassionate on our own weakness in order to heal. And that naturally gives us the ability to become more compassionate towards other people. Um, you know, and, and I don't think we really heal until we can do that. Like, we, we have to be able to um, love ourselves as God loves us before we can love our neighbor as ourselves, mm. right? And Jesus says that too. We always skip over the love of self in the love of neighbor. Well, if we don't love ourselves well, you know, then we're not going to love our neighbor well. And that's what I think, that's how that's playing out, I think, very concretely. So, like, coming back to the issue with my kids really quick. Yeah. This is, this is the road I'm always trying to help them navigate, which is we have to understand the nature of the problem, but we have to love the person who's struggling with it, whatever it is. And we have to be friends to them. I remember one of my children, my son, was working with someone uh, who had, you know, has same-sex attraction, and he would always ask me, what am I supposed to do? I said, be his friend. You know, like, be his friend. Listen to him. Ask him questions. Let him tell a story. Because at some point in time, the more he trusts you and the more he shares 
his story with you, the more his wounds are going to surface. And that's those are the things you can speak into as opposed to taking a stand and telling him that his his lifestyle's wrong or he's wrong about himself. Right. Like he he you might be right in saying that, but it's not necessarily going to open up a conversation. It's not necessarily going to open up a space where maybe this individual would deal with what they're really struggling with mm. for real. So anyway, yeah, it's it's so funny because I feel like we have such a fascination right now with, and I, okay, so I'm gonna try to try to say this. It's like we're fascinated with self help, and you know, um, you know, therapy, counseling, all those things. Uh, a lot of people do that, but yet there's still this depth of the heart that is um, untouched. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I, and obviously, I mean, my answer, of course, to everything is like, well, that's because most of that therapy and counseling doesn't involve Jesus. <laughs> and uh, so it's always going to be, to some degree, like a superficial sort of a worldly kind of healing. and um, But it's not really getting to to the depth of it. And, um, I don't know. I just find that it's just, it's funny. We, we just live in a funny time. Um, <laughs> I did want <clears throat> to. I feel like there was another F word that you were really trying to <laughs> grasp at. Maybe. Um, you know, I do want to, I know that, I know that this whole thing started with my, you know, the, the, the topic in particular, homosexuality is one thing, you know, because in, in some ways it's like. It, it kind of mimics, you know, uh, like human attractions and blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, obviously from, from my perspective, it's, it's disordered. But there's still sort of a, there's something that looks like what should be happening, right? Getting into, and I, I don't know if we have to dig too much into this because it's more of a, just a, I, I don't even, the whole transgender thing, like, I don't know how to so there was there was a student that I had in my youth ministry a few years back who um you know was uh, identified okay let me try to get this right she was a she was a girl biologically right but she identified as a boy even though she you know, still looked like a girl and still dressed like a girl and had like flowery, you know, headbands on and stuff like that. But she wanted to be called this boy's name. And um, I, you know, that was so incredibly difficult for me because on one level, I'm like, I want it, you know, like I know I'm like, I want, I want this person to feel welcomed into the, into our ministry. I, I don't want her to be like, you know, well, this, I could never show up there because everybody treats me like, you know, like I'm some kind of plague. Um, but at the same time, I, I, there was a part of me that's like, I just, I can't bring myself to call her a name that's not her name, you know, like, and to use pronouns and, and refer to her as he and him and I, I probably look like the biggest idiot trying to navigate that, like tripping over my myself. And um, 
you know, I, I just don't, I, that is so, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how, I'm not sure exactly how Jesus would, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't, it's hard. That is exceptionally hard because there are so many different things going on. Like there's a mental, like a, a clearly a mental thing that is just uh, incomprehensible to me. Um, that defies explanation, like, you know, being, being a, a gender and then thinking that I'm something else, uh, sometimes not even a binary, not even a male or a female, that I'm some sort of like wacky kind of third or fourth or fifth. I, I don't even know where to go with this, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is how the heck, like paint a picture of how Jesus would respond. Why isn't that in the gospel? Like, why doesn't Jesus encounter <laughs> the transgender woman? Yeah. <laughs> not sure That's anybody, what I want to read about. Not, not sure anybody would have even thought of such things back then. <laughs> I mean, oh boy. I mean, yeah, there's so many things that are rolling around in my head. So let me just kind of... Well, I'm only saying this because I'm fire. sure there are people no, out there I mean, that want to yeah, know. No, I mean, it's it's like there's several questions, first of all, like how... How did this happen, you know? And then there's like, well, what do you do about it? Let's start with the what do you do about it? Mm. Because I think the reality is is that we have to live in the truth. We have to live in the light. And we can't be afraid to say, I can't do that. Because it's not, you know, I, I can't do that. And again, you can't, we can't be boxed in by the conditions other people set. I can't be one way. If you want me to accept where you're at, then you need to accept where I'm at. And if I'm not okay with calling you by that name or at least whatever, I, I can deal with the names, you know, more than I can the, the pronouns. Yeah, yeah. Because the pronouns, you know, there's a, there's a logic. I mean, words speak reality. A name points to a person. Sure. Whatever you want to call yourself, okay. I'm not going to go there, but you can't make me call you a him when you're a her. Mm. And I just think that we just have to have um, the comportment and the peace of spirit to just calmly not acquiesce to that. Because it's not fair, and I think we have to point it out. It's like, do you want me to accept your, your views and your values? Yes, of course. But you don't have to accept mine. So let's just agree that we don't agree on this, but we can still be in a relationship with each other. Sure. And if you don't want to participate because I refuse to, you know, call you, you know, to falsify language in that way, what can I do? Mm -hmm. You know, you're always welcome here, but yeah. But if you don't want, you don't feel comfortable. That's that's your choice. You know, I I think that we have to be willing to navigate that. You know. And figure out how to to have that conversation in a way that's truly respectful, but also uncompromising, because we are called to live in the truth, to live in the light, and we can't just sidestep that mm -hmm. any more than you 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 did with your friend about having you know his uh, you know his his partner over right. your house, right, right, right. like you just you know. And he could just as easily have decided to, to come over anyway for dinner. He could have made a different choice just because, sure. you know. So I think that's what, how we have to handle the, you know, that situation. Um, 
But on the, you know, the question about, well, how did this, and, and by the way, let me just say, that's not easy. Like we have to oh be, we have to pray and we have to be really grounded and yeah. really, we have to be really in relationship with the Lord because we need his peace in our hearts in order to remain peaceful in that situation. There's a term I like, you know, we have to be able to practice non-anxious presence. And that, that's, that means that we can be in the presence of someone we profoundly disagree with without losing our peace. Mm. And the only way we can really do that is by allowing the peace of Christ to reign in our hearts, which means that we have to be turned in our hearts towards Him, not towards the complexity of this situation yeah, where yeah. in our own human frailty we're like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is, this is difficult. That I ha- would require somebody to really know Jesus, though, you know? Well, it does. Yeah. But, I mean, assuming that we're talking about disciples, yeah, uh, that's something as disciples we have to learn how to do mm-hmm. because we do have the grace to navigate these complicated social mm. situations. We do have the grace to do that, um, but we have to turn to it and receive it and let it animate our, our responses and reactions. And, of course, we all know that there's going to be moments when we fail miserably at that, and there's going to mm. be times when we're going to handle it better. But that, you know, it doesn't change the fundamental fact that it's only the peace of Christ reigning in our hearts that's going to give us the ability to remain peaceful in such a situation. Mm. But, but, to, but to, to, and, and I think part of, part of, um, part of for, for me, what helps is, is trying to really have a merciful view of the other person, trying to really be empathetic and understand perhaps where they're coming from. And part of the context within which people are, you know, especially young people who are very impressionable. And their 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 you know ideologies are being sort of foisted on them in the classroom at an age when they're very impressionable. So you really hardly can blame young people, particularly, for being confused because they're being confused by adults that should know better. Mm-hmm. But and maybe maybe not. Maybe those adults can't know better because they're confused in an adolescent and juvenile way, like the the kids mm-hmm. are teaching. But but the but the confusion. It, it has to do with the fact that we've we've bought into a philosophical ideology that gender, um, w- biological sex is one thing, gender is something else. Gender is a is a mental construct, and it's a mental construct that's that's, you know, that's sort of architectured by culture and society, and therefore, since it's a it's a it's a mental construct, it can be deconstructed, and I can reconstruct. A different gender for myself. It's it's. A, they don't disagree that it's a psychological thing, because they that's the language they use. You know, like I'm a, I'm really a woman in a man's body. Well, that's a, that's a mental state of mind. Right. You know, it, they're not. I don't think they're patently denying their biology. They're just saying they're not. They, we've been convinced that you can't be reduced to your biological, your biology in any deterministic way. But where does that come from? Like, why do why do people why have people come to this belief that, you know, and that has to do with maybe the hyper, the hyper definition of certain social roles that were, you know, adjudicated according to what is absolutely only male and what is absolutely only female, and I think we also live in a culture and it's been accelerated by social media, where we 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 live under what I like to call the tyranny of ideal forms, where you know young people particularly are growing up in a world where where ideals of masculinity and ideals of femininity are so distorted and perverted, but yet paraded and marketed in their faces all the time, that if they feel within themselves that they could never be a man because they could never live up to that, or they could never be a woman because they could never live up to that, 
it could be something as simple as a woman who has no hips and, you know, or has no, you know, has no breasts, you know. Mm-hmm. Or it could be as, as simple as a guy who isn't coordinated and athletic and agile and strong on the playground, you know, whatever. But if you if you feel disassociated from those those hyper hyper idealized forms, then I think coupled with this ideology, you could say, well, I just want to be something else. Mm. And I and I think that that's the underlying pathology, culturally, sociologically, and now personally, and that's what we need to address as Christian people. We need to say, well, what is? And we've done this a little on the podcast, but what is? What is true masculinity and what is true femininity? And it has far more to do with other things than, you know, the shape of your figure sure. or um, the, the standard of your beauty against some, you know, artificial marketing standard that sells yeah. whatever they're trying to sell. You know, so anyway, those are some thoughts, I think. Yeah, that, well, you know, okay, so let me ask you... Um, there's a there's a physical reality, right? There's there's physical realities. You're 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 born. You have a penis or whatever, and that makes you a a male, right? Well, let for, me, for people let me, can who I might just, not understand, let, let me just clarify, because <laughs> there are boys that are born without penises. It's very rare, but it does happen. Yeah, okay, so there's anomalies, but but generally no, but there's, speaking, but, yeah, there. But it's just but the chromosomes are always. Okay, a hundred percent. So you're sure. either chromatically a male or a female. Okay, and you have the reproductive organs, like testes, sure, or you know ovaries. Okay, Th- that's it's a good clarification. That's point. what. No, I mean it's no. It's I know important. you're getting to the nitty gritty. Yeah. Okay, but that but there's there's biological reality. Yeah. Right. That we can objectively say, yeah, that is what it is, and it is determinative. Right. So so then when you start to get into constructs of the mind. There's not, there's no objective reality to that. So in other words, like I could, I could, uh, you know, you have a water bottle in front of you and I could say, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm perceiving that water bottle to be filled with iced tea and the liquid's clear. And you're like, no, it's water, you know, like, so the construct of my mind does not make something objectively true. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet. I mean, if to be technical, our perceptions of reality are not infallible. Right. So we can establish some things as being objectively true, and and then we can also identify the fact that we can also make up and invent things. Yes. Okay. So why? So then, I guess my question simply is. Why does somebody's um, assignment of a gender to themselves, why, why is that objectively true? It, and it's not, right? But so, why, wait, why are we You're talking of, about, like, why is having a, a given sex a no, problem? Why, if somebody says, I feel like, I'm a, I'm, biologically, I'm, I'm a man, you know, because I have the chromosomes of a man. But I feel, but I want to define myself as a woman you know, gen- from a gender standpoint. Why does anybody have to accept that? And, you know, in other words, fine, that might, whatever, that person, do whatever you want. Uh, you know, identify yourself as a woman. But why does everybody else have to objectively 
acknowledge that, like, as some kind of truth. Well, because they've turned it into a matter of justice and rights, and but I mean, you could do that about the issue. anything. Well, 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 you could, but and and oftentimes those ideological positions are challenged. Like, you know, I could walk up to someone and say, "Well, I identify as a six foot five African American woman." I mean, I've seen these kinds of little things <laughs> right. played out on on man on the street kind of videos, uh-huh. and they're like, "That's ridiculous." It's like, "Well, why is it ridiculous? It's not any more ridiculous," you know. And then people get stuck. But here's the thing. It's like, but, but you know, again, if, if I'm approaching the issue with any degree of compassion, I'm asking, I should be asking myself, I should be curious about, why does the person feel the need to do that? Mm. And, and, and until there's sufficient trust between two people that a person could actually open up about that, Right. So again, let's go back to what we said earlier yeah, about yeah. people crusading out here mm-hmm. in order to fight because they're not fighting the internal demons. The reason why this issue has been so politicized is because we've raised up an entire generation since the sexual revolution of people who are so deeply wounded in their psychosexual identity, and they're not actually dealing. We haven't created as a culture the proper ways of dealing with that those wounds. Mm-hmm. We, we, we dealt with them before in shaming ways. Going back to my friend Tony, one of the reasons why he identified as a homosexual in such a politically charged way is because when he was at the University of Detroit back in 1969, the police broke into his apartment and dragged he and his boyfriend out of the apartment and threw him in jail. Mm. And I'm like, that's crazy. Why would you, why would you criminalize that? But those were the laws at the time. So, like, apart from the political side of it, it's like, you know, his name was Tony. It's like, Tony, let's just talk about what that experience was like. How did it feel yeah. to be treated in that way? Like, let's, you know, like, let's go down to the deeper. And, you know, usually when I would push there, he would say, you know, I, I just don't, I don't want to pursue that line of mm-hmm. reasoning. Sure. But why? Why? Because. Honestly, because it just hurts too bad. Sure, I don't want that to be the reason, and and I think that that's where we have to. That's where we have to be honest and live in the truth. We have to say, look, and we have to find very loving and gentle ways of accompanying people to that place. Yeah. That's what. That's, yeah, the, that's hard the hard work. That's the super hard. Yeah, thing. and we have to tolerate and put up with a lot, not in a compromising way, but we have to say, you know. And sometimes we lay it down and we say, you know, you have to, you have to agree. You know that we're gonna we're gonna have to relate on these terms. Sure. Yeah. But we what we what we can't do is we can't say I'm not I'm gonna pretend to live in a fictional world. Yeah. Like you and because you you just can't. They're trying to force us to live in in things that are false and not real. Because I think they're too afraid to deal with the reality of what goes on on the inside of them. So what's the answer? We'll beat them over the head with the truth and make them feel <laughs> even worse about themselves. <laughs> Well, that's that's not the answer. The answer is we have to figure out how to open up that inner place where they can find the the freedom to t- to to be honest about their true their real story. What happened? Hmm. Because there's a reason why you came to this belief about yourself, and and uh, hmm. and and we need to get to that place yeah. in order to help you come to. A, a true understanding of your real identity, mm. and part of your identity is that you're you're either a boy or a girl, created in the image and likeness of God. So you're a beloved son or daughter of a loving father. We say this all the time in our ministries. Yeah. yeah. 
And what does that mean for you? And how has the world, how has fallen humanity failed you mm. in helping you love the person that God made you to be? Um, and how, of course, you know, the devil's all over that too. But, but that's the hard work. It is. And we have to be willing to do it. And we're not. That's, that's the sad tragedy is that it's just sometimes we think it's just too hard. Yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, this, I think that's a great place to probably wrap it up because, my gosh, uh, re-listen to this, everybody, because there's so many, there's so many gold nuggets in it to, to, that are challenging, that are, uh, you know, encouraging. My gosh. Um, but the one thing that I will say in this, I don't want to say this in a shameless plug kind of way, right? But you said that the world, you know, like society kind of has has failed to provide these spaces for healing and like it, true healing. Yeah, right. It's right, been right, right. a false healing. Yes. It's like we'll just accept you according to whatever you think you need to be. And, and I might and that's <clears throat> I don't good. I don't want to be too generalized here, but I would also say I have not I've not really encountered that kind of opportunity for healing much in the church either. And um in any sort of organized kind of way. Um, so, uh, you know, my kind of, my sort of journey through that healing kind of had to come through an individual person that was a disciple of Christ and, and uh, helped me, help walk me through that. And I will, but I will say one thing that I love about the work that I get to do here at Preambula is we are all, we're constantly helping to lead people, if they want to be led there, into that space where they can experience um, like an awareness of their brokenness and woundedness, and then also um, inviting Jesus into that to, to really transform that and redeem that. Obviously, some people might need a little bit more professional work um, from a psychological standpoint, but th that happens all the time, and I'm that th those moments for me are always so incredibly beautiful to see people experience that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's why we we're doing what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, no, all of that episode, just to say that. No, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> not <my way. laughs> no. Um, well, you know, if I can, um, I do want to make one caveat, and that is, is that you know, everything I've sh I've just shared towards the end here, you know, I've had to learn the hard way, um, and I just have to admit that because I, you know, I know sometimes I. I can spew out these answers, but the reality is, is that I've, I've, I've failed so many times myself to love as Christ is loved, and I've, I've been the crusader, and I've been the grand inquisitor, if not outwardly in my heart. I mean, it's easy to fake it. Sure. It's easy to fake it and play Same nice here. and yeah. be respectful and all that, but in your heart, you're tearing the person to pieces, and you're not, you're not really trying to be curious. You're not really trying to see what's behind the veil and all of that. Um, but, so that's the challenge, is the challenge of Christian charity, the challenge to love as God loves, is always to um, is always to be willing to stand with the person in the hell of their own suffering um, and to bring God's love into that place um, with deep conviction about the truth of what is real and what is false, but also doing that in a way where we're pouring the love and mercy of God into people's lives as much as we're we're, we're able to do that. Hmm. That's the challenge. And, and as Christians, if we want to call ourselves disciples of Jesus, we have to allow the Lord to teach us how to do that more and more. Um, because there's no other hope for the salvation of the world 
then learning how to be, you know, like Christ in that way. Um, and so we have to avoid the two false alternatives of either the moralistic browbeating or the total accommodation to sin. Yeah. Uh, both are false. Mm. Great wrap up. Thank you for going down this uh, discussion road. I know it's always kind of like, how do you talk about this? But well, I thought it was good. Really yeah. good. You never know how people will take what you're saying. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it's a great topic. And obviously, you know that we're both raising adult, young adult children. And yeah. we're dealing with all this stuff and trying to find the, the best way to navigate those parental waters. And I'm sure there's lots of... People oh, it's so easy. Same Every situation. Day. It's <laughs> the simplest thing I've well, ever done. I mean, you know, because you, yeah, <laughs> it's not because you find that your kids are very sympathetic to something like, you oh, know, they are. And it's like, yeah. how do you, uh, right. how do you say what you need to say without alienating and pushing them away? Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's hard. I, yeah. I, we have to, I pray a lot about, Lord, give me, how do I answer this? Mm. You know, or what, what do I say? What do I ask? Whatever. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, just to end, you know, if you like this podcast, please share it with other people. Please leave a comment, uh, like us, all all those things, you know. Share, um, yeah, like, sh- comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, visit us on the web if you want to find out, especially if you're in the Pittsburgh area and you're, you're wanting to find out some of the ministries and different opportunities you have to grow. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're just grateful for listening in. Amen. All right. All right, man. God bless you. Thanks. Bye. The Wise Guys Podcast is a production of Preambule Group, a Catholic ministry dedicated to helping you thrive in the heart of Jesus. Visit us on the web at preambula.org and follow us on social media.